Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Elaine Northrup with Long & Foster in Clarksville, Maryland. She's been an agent for 44 years and was ranked the number one agent for Colwell Banker International for three years in a row during the 1990s based on her personal production when she sold over $100 million worth of homes each year. Last year, her team, which is now run by her son, closed 1,772 transactions with a total sales volume of $750 million. Their average sales price was 423000 of which 40% were buyers and 60% were sellers. The team has 140 members, including 94 full-time agents and 46 admin staff. In this call, Elaine talks about not selling a single home during her first six months in business, then selling $1 million in real estate in 1973 during her second six months by changing her internal view of herself from victim to victor. How to use creative visualization to get anything you want in life. If you want to change your outside world, change the thinking inside your head. Why visualization is the most powerful thing you can do to succeed in real estate. How to initiate the success cycle of dream, desire, create, and inspire. What you should focus on when you visualize. The two biggest mistakes people make when stating their goals. Why success breeds success. The power of meditation. How she got her start with low rejection open houses and why she still hosts open houses. Using print advertising to build your brand image in the market. How creative headlines and house descriptions sell more listings and get you hired by more sellers. Her book, Create Your Own Fate, Connect with Your Creativity and Change Your Life. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Elaine. I'm happy to be here. Hey, Elaine. It's great to have you here. Elaine, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I was a school teacher. I have a BA in English, and I taught high school for several years. I also worked for Holiday Spa selling health club memberships until my children came along and I couldn't work 12-hour days anymore. And what made you decide to get into real estate? Well, actually, I never wanted to be in real estate. My ex-husband decided one day that he was going to give up construction and go into real estate. And he took a three-month course and came home one weekend and said, "Um, honey, we're not going to do anything this weekend because I've got to study. I'm going to take this test Monday morning. Why don't you read this book and take the test with me? If you pass it, you get a license. If you don't, 
You don't want one anyway. I said, fine. So I read the book over the weekend, took the test with him on Monday morning, and I prayed, if anybody passed that test, Lord, let it be him. Well, the worst thing in the world happened. I passed and he did. So I ended up with a real estate license I really didn't want, had no idea how to use, and he didn't have one. And that's the beginning of the end. Shortly thereafter, he ran away with my best friend and left me with two small children and didn't want to pay any child support. And I had to go into real estate to make a living because... At that point, I was substitute teaching, but not making much money at it. And I was now the sole support of two small children, age six and four. And I had to do it. I had no choice. So I went to work and I sat around an office and I tried to figure out how people sold real estate. And what I noticed in the office is that everybody was sitting around waiting and waiting, and they were waiting for the phone to ring. Well, mine sure wasn't ringing because I had no name, no reputation, no money, and I couldn't just sit around all day and wait for the phone to ring. So the first thing I started doing was to hold open houses for other agents that had listings. And what I liked about open houses is that people were coming to you because they wanted to buy something, maybe not the house you were in, but they wanted to buy something. And if I could convert them into a buyer or seller, I could make some money. So that's how I really got started, and I'm still very big on open houses. That first year that you got in the business and you started to look and try to figure things out, did you have a fast start or a slow start that first year? I had a very slow start, Mike, because when I started, I, um, I had a victim story. Again, my husband just ran off with my best friend, and I told all my clients about it and would end up in tears generally. And what I thought is that people would buy houses for me because they felt sorry for me. Well, that was totally wrong. People don't want to deal with a victim. They want to deal with a victor. And for the first six months in real estate, I didn't sell a thing. In fact, my manager confessed to me that he was going to fire me, but didn't have the heart to do it because he knew what had happened in my life. But he suggested I take a personality test to determine that maybe I should go back into teaching. And I took this test and the results came back so strongly. This person should be in a people-orientated business like real estate that he decided to keep me And the second six months, I sold a million dollars, which was a lot way back in 1973. And I went on from there because I gave up my victim story. I started concentrating on what the prospects wanted and put their interests ahead of mine. And then I became successful. Elaine, how long have you been in the business now? What year did you start? How long has it been? I started in 1973. I've been in the business 44 years. Started from the bottom, made my way to the top. Well, let's talk about that. Let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you and the team that you started, how many homes did you sell last year? And what was the sales volume? Okay, the the Northrop team last year closed 1,772 transactions 
for a total sales volume of $750 million, which made us the number one team in the whole United States for all brokerages. Well, that is fantastic. So, so when you started that last six months, you sold a million, and this last year, your team sold $750 million. That is a huge jump. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a lot of hard work. Elaine, my understanding is that you were able to make a lot of transitions over your career with an idea of creative visualization. Could you tell me what that is? Absolutely. Creative visualization is creating anything you want in your life by conceiving it in your mind first and believing it into being. Everything we have in life started out in someone's mind. Our cars that we drive around in, our houses that we live in, the airplanes we fly in, they all started in someone's mind and they believed it into being. And this process works for anything. It works for a career. It works for relationships. It works for anything you want in your life. You just have to conceive it, believe it, and then you will achieve it. That reminds me of Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich. Is that where you got this idea? That's where I got the idea from. And I coined my own phrase about it. And it all starts with a dream, which you convert into a desire. And then you create what you want. And then you go on to inspire. So dream, desire, create, inspire is the cycle. Tell us a little bit about that. Let's walk through the process for us for how someone can apply this to real estate and having greater success in real estate. What would they dream about first? Whatever they want their success level to be. And the first thing you have to set are goals. And goals are dreams with a deadline. You have to say that I will sell 20 homes by June or By next year, whatever your goals are, you have to set them and you have to see them firmly in your mind. And then you have to monitor yourself halfway. If your goal was to sell 20 homes in a year, you should be at least 10 by June. But the idea of conceiving, first of all, most people don't know where they want to go. And in order to get anywhere, you have to know where there is. You have to have a destination. You have to have an ending. Otherwise, it's like getting on a plane and sitting there just enjoying the wine and the peanuts, and all of a sudden your automatic pilot comes in and says, well, where do you want to go? And you well, I have no idea. I don't know. I just want to sit here. But the automatic pilot says, this is a plane, and a plane has to go somewhere. You have to give it a destination. And you say, oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, well, I don't know where I want to go, but I like warm weather. Okay, we'll head south. Well, but south is big. Where do you want to go? Well, I like beautiful beaches and beautiful blue water. And I can visualize myself at sunset, um, Bluebeard's Castle. Oh, now we have a destination. Now we know where you want to go. Now we know when you want to get there, so we can head in that direction. We can take off, and we can do it even before the wine and the peanuts run out. 
So for a real estate agent, let's go with this idea that let's say they want to sell 24 homes next year. We'll just pick a number out of the air and they want to do it in a one-year time period. Let's say that we're sitting here January 1. What things would they do with this dream? I mean, do they just dream that number 24 and that's it? Do they see something else in their mind or do they write something else down? What do they do with this dream? You have to find ways to go out and work towards your dream. The only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. So I'm not saying that you can just dream it totally into being. You've got to believe it and believe it hard enough to work toward it. And by the way, I do remember a point, because I used to set my goals every year and I was big on my goals. But I was using my goals as a ceiling and not a floor. And I didn't realize that until I was in the middle of a Howard Britt seminar one time. And he was talking to top agents. And I was probably the most successful agent in the room at that time. I was about ready to do 500,000 GCI. And I was set on my gold. I was accomplishing it. I was doing everything I can. And I sat in this room and he said, focus on your goal, now double it. And my mind went crazy. I could not conceive of doing a million dollars GCI. This is 40 years ago. And I, all of a sudden, it dawned on me that I was holding myself back. I was setting limits on myself. I was setting my goals as ceilings where I would reach that ceiling but would not give myself permission to go above it. So from then on, I set my goals as floors and not ceilings, where this is the minimum I will do, but I give myself permission to soar anywhere above it. And I finally said to myself in that room, if not you, who? You know, and it was the belief. It's about the belief that I could do it and do better and do more. And until I got that belief, my prospects couldn't soar because I was holding myself back. I set my own limits and I didn't even know I was doing it. But you've got to give yourself the sky's the limit. But set your goals as a four. You will not do less than such and such. Elaine, when you're setting this goal or this objective for the year, you just mentioned GCI. Should an agent start with the net money they take home as the goal? Should they start with the GCI? Should they start with a certain number of transactions? Where do they start? I guess it depends on how bad they need the money. Remember, I was the sole support of the family, so the money was important to me. So I set my goals based on how much we would earn, how much the company would earn, then I knew what my split was. And that was my goal. And it can take 25 transactions to make it. It could take 50. But if that's your goal monetarily, then you will achieve it. So you start with how much money you would take home, and then you back that up into how much gross commission you would have to earn, the GCI. And then from there, you figure out how many transactions based on your average sales price that would be throughout the year. That's correct. I want to go back. I want to stay on the mental side of this for a minute. When you're at the beginning of the year and you threw out the number of 500,000 GCI, so let's use that. If that's your objective, 
do you just think about those numbers or do you try to visualize in your mind's eye what that would mean for you? And what I mean by that is where you would live or what kind of car you would drive or what would be around you when you acquired that? Or do you just focus on the number itself? No, actually numbers are not important. What is important is the kind of lifestyle that can provide for you. And yes, I did visualize vacations and cars and different things in my lifestyle that and again, you have to believe they're already here. If you want something to come out of nowhere, you have to believe it's already here. It is now here from nowhere. And I would see myself driving. At one point, I wanted a Mercedes. I would see myself driving that Mercedes. I would see myself in the beach house, which I bought, on the ocean. And I just visualized all these things. And they came true in my life. But doesn't mean I didn't have to work hard to achieve them. But it starts with the dream, the belief that it's possible. Well, as you mentioned, your mind wants to achieve a goal. I think you talked about the automatic pilot example. But you have to put something out there that it's shooting for. But you're saying to think about it as though we're already here. You already have that in your life. Do you use certain words or phrases? Do you use affirmations? How do you make sure that it appears that it's here already? No, I just visualize, for instance, when I bought my vacation home in Ocean City on the ocean, which we still have, I visualize my whole family having Thanksgiving dinner at that dining room table. That's what caused me to step out of my comfort zone and make an offer on this house that was way over my price range when it started. And I made a low offer. I lost it. And I started doing them with my psychic guides at this visualization. How could you be wrong? A cash buyer came in and bought it. And I'm like, the word came back from the universe that we gave you this wonderful opportunity to have something fantastic for your family. But you blew it because you didn't offer enough. And I went, oh, my God, you're right. Please give me another chance. And I believed so hard, and I held on to that visualization about Thanksgiving dinner and my family being there. And guess what? That cash buyer fell through, and the next Thanksgiving, not the one that I visualized, the next Thanksgiving, my whole family was down the ocean at that day, just like I visualized. Because I didn't give up. And you have three choices in life. You can either give up, give in, or give it all you've got. And if you give it all you got, you believe enough, you work hard enough, you will have whatever you want in your life. Elaine, let's go back to your concept of dream, desire, create, and inspire. Give us more about each of those. What does that mean? Well, first of all, you've got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true like the old song was? Everybody wants something in life, I would assume, if they're alive. Um, And then when you start with a dream, a concept, it has to become a passion, a desire. You have to want it bad enough to go out and create it. And you will find the way, if that desire is strong enough, you will find the way to have that thing in your life. And then once you've 
created everything you want in your life. And, and I have to say right now I have, I'm very lucky, but what started out as the worst thing I could ever imagine happening in my life, which was my husband running off with my best friend and leave me with no support turned out to be the best thing that ever happened in my life because I now have the greatest soulmate in the world that I'm married to. I have a real estate career I never would have had otherwise, and my two children have turned out phenomenally. So it's all selective perspective in how you look at things that happen in your life. A tragedy can just be a threshold to something better if you don't let it crush you. If you stay stuck in the tragedy, then you don't move on. But if you look at it as an opportunity to create better things, wonderful things will come into your life. You don't accept failure as final. You use it as a fertilizer to create magnificent blooms and buds in your life. Elaine, what is the difference between dream and desire? You said you start with a dream and then your passion creates the desire. What are the differences between the twos? A dream is a concept. A dream is just visualizing it. And then you have to want it bad enough. The desire is your passion for that thing. And you have to convert your dreams into desires that you're willing to work very hard to have these things in your life. And then desire moves into create. So describe to us what the difference is between the two and how you go from desire to create. If you want something badly enough, you will find a way to create that into reality, to having that thing in your life. Whether it takes hard work, whether it takes, I can't even tell you the tools that you have to use, but if you want it passionately enough, you will find a way to create that thing in your life. The difference between that desire and the create, it sounds like that's where the action happens. That's where the work happens to start bringing that item into your world. That's correct. But you have to be passionate about it and have enough desire that you start working hard to create that thing in your life. And don't ever give up. You actually, if you get resistance, to keep you from getting the thing that you want. You paralyze resistance with persistence. Craig turned a word for it as called perseverance. You push until you get what you want. But you have to believe in it, and you cannot let the negativity set in. You know, a plane can't take off with ice on its wings. So you have to believe that these things are possible and not, not see the ice. Our subconscious is actually a copier, and whatever thoughts and whatever visions we give it, the total job of the subconscious is to create it into reality. But the subconscious does not hear the word not. So if you say, I do not want this thing, the subconscious will give it to you because it doesn't know the difference. It's like Googling a song and saying, I do not want to hear this song. Well, guess what? They'll play the song anyway. Because the subconscious is just copying your thoughts. And if you want better results, give it better copy. 
tell it things you do want, not what you don't want. And so many people focus on their fears that they don't realize that that's what they're creating. They give it negative thoughts and they're creating those. Elaine, the last step is moving from create to inspire. It sounds to me create is you have brought it into your world. You've acquired the item you were looking for. What is the inspire part? Sounds like that's something that happens after you've acquired. Yes, it does. You go out and inspire others to do the same thing. And that's the part of my life that I'm in right now. I want to inspire others and tell them that they can do the same thing. I assume that, especially in the beginning, you would inspire yourself through the fact that you've had the success. You would feel good and comfortable with going back to the beginning and starting a new dream. That's true. That breeds more success. But once you find out how, it's easy and you'll keep doing it as long as you keep believing. You have to realize that the power within you is greater than the problem in front of you. So don't let obstacles stop you from getting what you want. There's two ways you can look at an obstacle. You can either look at it as an obstacle to surmount, to get beyond, around, on top of, or you can look at it as an obstruction. An obstruction stops you dead in your tracks. And too many people let that happen. But if you treat it as an obstacle and you climb on top of it, the view is magnificent from the top. And you will get over to the other side and have what you want. And if you focus on your destination, the road actually paves itself. You just have to know where you want to go and focus on that destination as if you were already there. And the road, the pavers and all fall in the way. The universe shows you the way to get there once you have that picture. But you have to give an address to success so you will know when you have arrived. You have to know what success looks like what you want, what your destination is. And so many people don't define this for themselves. Sounds like defining success, that initial state, that dreaming it, that putting together exactly what you want is the hardest part. What advice do you have for people who are doing that? And and I'd like to focus on their real estate career. I realize this could be used for anything, but we're talking about real estate and their real estate career. So How can they use this idea of defining a goal? How can you help them get started on the right path? What should they be doing? They have to create in their mind what they think they are capable of and what they want to do. And your desires should always be greater than what you're actually doing at the moment. If you're not setting your desires higher, Maybe you're not creating enough. You have to be able to believe beyond your limit and set those goals and then you will accomplish them. And you don't let adversities get in a way. And it's really your attitude about adversity that will allow you to advance or will hold you back. If bad things happen, and they always do, we have selected perspectives about bad things. Events are emotionally neutral. We're the ones that either decide if they're good or bad in our life by our interpretation of it. 
But an event that seems to be bad, you can use as a stepping stone to further your goals and to get you to the other side and get you what you want. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. How far out should people look? For instance, 44 years ago, I assume you did not have a vision for closing 1,700 transactions. That was beyond your scope at the time. I assume that you were looking out maybe a year at the most, maybe a month, because you needed to earn income right away. How far out should people be looking when they're setting these goals? Mike, you're absolutely right. I could not even conceive of that amount of transactions. But I did, again, my beliefs were beyond what the normal agent had at that time. And it was a very male-dominated field in 1973 when I started real estate. So for a woman to come with a goal and a drive, that was unusual. But I definitely set my goals. I stuck to them, and they got greater every year. And I like to say I had a dream that took me from absolute rock bottom to at least more than mid-level. And my son's dream started at mid-level, and the sky's the limit for him. And I will say that I was also one of the first agents to believe in the concept of a team because the more successful I got, the more necessary it was to have people to do the computers and to do the processing and to do the things that kept me from being out with prospects and selling, which is what I wanted to do. So I had to hire people to keep me out selling. And therefore, the prospect of a team came about. And the more you have people behind you, the more you are able to grow. And my son took the team to a whole other level to where we now have 140 people on the team. Did your son adopt your vision or did you create a new vision when you all joined forces? No, my son was raised on a diet of If you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And I always taught him that if you want something in life, you have to work for it. And he's certainly had that ethic growing up. But at one point, he came to work for me as part of my team. And I told him, and of course, as he got older and male ego came about, I told him that if he ever beat me, that I would come to work for him. And lo and behold, He hired enough people, and he finally beat me. So now I work for him, and the team's under his name, and I'm very proud of him. (laughs) Very good. How long did that take him to go from uh, starting underneath you and in your tutelage to going out on his own and finally having a higher level of production than yours? Probably about six, seven, eight years. But remember, he started on a higher plateau because I did have a name and reputation at that point. And leads and referrals and things were coming in. And, of course, he was my favorite son, so a lot of those were given to him. 
But at one point, he did break off and go on his own, and I did not want to compete with my son. Um, we go on listing appointments, and I did not think it's right to compete with my son. So again, I came to work for him, and very happy I did, because now he gets to spend all the money and all the time running the team, and I get to do what I love best, which is working with buyers and sellers. You brought that up, your own personal production, Elaine. I think that you had a high year, and I'm trying to remember which year it was, and you sold quite a few homes. Do you recall what that was? There were three years in the 1990s that I was Caldwell Banker's number one international agent. And at that point, I was producing over $100 million in sales per year. And I don't remember the number. I think it was the transactions were about 450 or something like that. And then I didn't have as big a team. I had one or two support people back in those days. And I'm the only agent that ever did it for three years in a row with Caldwell Bankers number one being their number one agent out of 56,000 agents. And that's extraordinary. Well, thank you. But I came from obscurity. I know when they put my name and picture up on the screen there and it said Ellicott City, Maryland, everybody in the audience went, where, where, where is Ellicott <laughs> City, Maryland compared to New York and California and San Diego, Hawaii, you know, like nobody ever heard where I was from, but I was bloom where I was planted and I was doing it in a marketplace that did not stack up, but I was doing a very good job. Another thing that I started, and I did this very early on in my career, as soon as I could afford it, in those days, the broker was advertising in their name alone, but I started advertising in my name, and I started writing creative ads about my listings, and I give every house a little name and a little story, like I called one house Cinderella, and I said, somebody waved a magic wand and turned this ordinary house into a raving beauty, but see it before the stroke of midnight or will not be there. And then another house, I said, it was a split level. I said, finally, a split with personality. And it got to the point that people love reading my ads so much that I became famous for the ads and people wanted to list their house with me in order to have me write a creative ad about it. And that could translate into today when these ads are being posted on the internet as opposed to being posted in the newspaper. It's still the promotion of that listing in a creative way, using creative terms and ideas. Right. But we are still very big on newspaper advertising and magazine advertising. I mean, we certainly do the internet, but we are also big on print advertising and TV and everywhere we can to keep our name out there. And I think it's very important. The name recognition in this field is very important. That's really interesting. So you're still promoting yourselves through print, through newspapers. Craig now promotes it through the team, but all of our listings, including my listings, go in the print advertising and everything. It's, it's just paid for by him and the team. Are those classified ads, and are they going into your local newspaper? No, they're picture ads. Craig takes one or two pages in the Sunday Sun, which is our local newspaper, every week, 
and then we do the Harrod County Times. We do all kinds of uh, print, and and they're pictures of the house, plus the location, plus the price. And I used to write huge ads about it. Now, because we have so many listings, it's down to just price and location. But we still advertise heavily, which I think is important. You're taking out a large sectional ad, and in that ad, you're promoting the properties, their pictures, a description. Are you asking people to call in on those ads, or are you sending them to a IVR a 800 number, or are you sending them into the internet? Where do they go out of those ads in the paper? They come into our office, and then the calls are dispersed by Craig to agents. Or, you know, if, if somebody calls in on my listing, technically I should get the call. It must be working. You're doing it. The newspapers over the years have shrunk. Have the costs associated with putting an ad in the paper, has that gone down? Is that why you're continuing to do it? No. It has not gone down by any means, but it is a good source, especially in your local marketplace of keeping your name in front of the public and, and of getting ad calls. Okay, so I assume you're tracking and that this source of leads is paying for itself. Yes, absolutely. Or we wouldn't continue. It is expensive. We wouldn't continue to do it if it weren't paying for itself. How do you track the lead to make sure that it's come off of the newspaper instead of, say, a sign call or a flyer or anything else? Do you have some type of identification number they use when they call in, or are you simply asking? No, they have an identification number that they use when calling in. And then we also ask, how did you find out about this house? You know, Elaine, what I'd like to do, since we've been going down this path of creative visualization, is I'd actually like to go back for a minute. And, you know, there are a lot of people in different phases of their career. In the very beginning, you had some big challenges and you had to think of how to move your family along. What was the goal at that time? Was it just to make enough money to pay the bills? Or did you have a vision greater than that? Can you recall way back then? I do recall way back then. And my first motivation was just to pay the bills and keep my family afloat. And then when it got easier and I was above board in terms of I had the mortgage payment, car payments, everything. Once I was above board, I looked at ways of promoting myself through advertising, and that's what I did. How long did it take for you to get to that level where you were breaking even and paying all the bills? I would say it probably took me at least two to three years in real estate to feel comfortable that What's scary about real estate is it's all commissions. So you have no salary. You have nothing to count on except your belief in yourself and the fact that you can do it. Right. Absolutely. When you got to that level where everything was now covered, you apparently start to think of a bigger picture. So my question is, why did you think of something bigger than just meeting the goals and how much bigger were you thinking there in that second and third year? Were you thinking about doubling your business or just growing by 10%? You know, what was driving you to think bigger than it, and how much bigger were you thinking? I'm not sure I can totally answer that question, 
because it was many, many years ago. But every year I started to think bigger in terms of what I wanted out of life, what I wanted to create in my life. And I started working harder, more hours, but I also became more creative in terms of what I was doing in the advertising and the print. I gave myself the name, the house mover. I was one of the first people to implement having a truck for buyers and sellers to use. And I was always adding new ideas to marketing and to what I could do. Where were those ideas coming from? My head. <laughs> well, I, I did get some from real estate seminars like Howard Britton and various places. Um, a lot of these things were just conceived in my head and I implemented into reality. And so you were trying to look out at the market and figure out what would attract more clients. And then from your mind's eye, you would bring that into reality by working hard, getting some revenue, and then putting it in place, like, say, the moving truck. Right. And then I was also, I was doing client parties. I was doing a lot of things to stimulate repeat customers and, and to keep the business. What kind of things were you doing to keep your repeat business going? client parties. I would give a big client party every year for people that bought houses from me. Or if they gave me a referral so that the clients who came to the parties wanted to get invited back, if they gave me a referral, then that could happen. Describe that client party. What was it? When was it? What did it look like? Well, I also built my dream house. And once I had my dream house, and it's about 22 years old now, I started having big parties at my house because I have a big entertainment center and people love coming here and, you know, they would do anything to get invited back the next year. <laughs> Including giving you a referral. Yes, yes. And special clients, I would take them out to dinner. I just would treat them very well. And I just recently, after 44 years, have had two clients from 20, 25 years ago, called me up and wanted to know, they called Craig, wanted to know if I'm still in the business and they only want to deal with me. So that, that's good news. It's good to be remembered. Elaine, you mentioned that you got your start with open houses and you continue to do them. What are the elements that make a successful open house? Well, first of all, you obviously can't qualify the buyers before they come through but you can be very polite, show them or through, and then ask them if this house is in their price range. Is it what they're looking for? If not, you can offer to send them other listings or go outside and talk about other listings, as I know the rules have changed. But you make a working client. These are people that come to you on Sunday afternoon, and they want to buy something. It's, to me, much better than cold calling. And remember, I had had my share of rejection, I certainly wasn't going to call expireds or cold call because I didn't need any more rejection. But I liked the open house concept because people were coming to you. The other thing that I started, I started putting my face panel on signs. Before that, it was just the broker and the number, but I added my face panel to signs, which was very important as a means, you know, in certain neighborhoods, if you had several signs up with your face, you get other calls. 
And did you put your face on the panels for the open houses? Yes. So you were branding yourself in that neighborhood? Yes, absolutely. And for instance, neighborhood that I live in, I sell probably 99% of the houses here, and that's good. Wow. How are you able to achieve that? 99% of the houses sold that you're listing. That's incredible. What are you doing to make that happen? I send out just listed, just sold cards. I do have open houses in the neighborhood. I'm also the president of the association in here, but I know most of the neighbors. And I remember at one point, one of the neighbors thought I had too many listings in here, and she decided to go with a competitor. And what I did, instead of getting bitter, I got better. And I made a point to show her house more than that other agent, and I gave wonderful feedback to the point where the other agent asked me to please not give such good feedback. Well, lo and behold, a month later, that seller called me and said, would you come list my house? And I listed it and I sold it. So it's important to not get better, get better. Elaine, you have a lot of catchphrases that you use that sounds like you've adopted over the years. That was another one. Instead of getting better, get better. How do you feed your mind with positive thought? Well, I meditate a lot, and um, I try to dwell on the positive and get rid of the negative. Of course, negative things happen in my life, and I've had a lot of challenges, and I've had some, I was actually attacked in one of my listings, and I won't go into that, but I've had a lot of negatives that I haven't let them control me. I don't let the negatives change what I want to do or let them change me. I just continue to think positive and create positive things in my life. And I have a wonderful, supportive husband that helps me do everything that I want to do and is always by my side. And he certainly keeps me thinking positive, too. You said that you meditate. What does that look like? How often do you do it? What are you doing? I do it almost every day, but I meditate. I have psychic guides that I ask for advice and I give them visions of what I want to have happen in my life and they help me create it. And I think everybody has, not everybody's open to it, but I think everybody has guidance from above and the universe if they go inside and meditate. If you want to change without, go within. That's my advice. For how long do you meditate each day? 10, 15 minutes at most. When that happens, what exactly is occurring? You close your eyes and then what? Well, I focus on, I don't want to get into religious, but I focus on uh, a picture of Jesus Christ and the light coming in. I'm a very big believer in the light and the universe. And then I focus on what I want and I get advice from my psychic guides. And the psychic guides will give you an idea of how to take the next step? Yes. Or help me keep... Sometimes it's hard to keep belief in something if you visualize and visualize it and it doesn't happen. But you have to realize there's no time in the universe. And sometimes the things that you really want take a little longer. 
But the important thing is not to give up the belief and to make it happen. Elaine, it's amazing that you've brought so many good things into your life. You've overcome a lot of challenges. It's like it's been because you've remained positive and you've used these techniques. If somebody were listening and they wanted to further their knowledge of creative visualization, what should they do? Buy my book. What's the name of your book? Create Your Own Fate. Create Your Own Fate. Right. Where can they pick up a copy of it? They can go to my website, createyourownfate.com, or they can get it on Amazon. They can email me personally, too, and I'll autograph and send them a copy. I'll be happy to do that. If they purchase off of your website, would you autograph it for them, or is that just if they email you? They have to email me personally. And send me a check for, I sell it cheaper, personally, it's $19.99, roughly $20. And I will pay the postage and send them an autographed copy. Oh, that's awesome. It's a very uplifting book that I think can help not only agents, but anybody going through a divorce, anybody having problems being parents. I've got chapters on all of that. I even have a chapter on health and about how you affect your health and can cure almost anything. And if they wanted to get the autographed copy, because you're a famous agent, by the way, I've known about you for a long time, and I'm so excited to be talking to you. If they wanted the autograph, what email would they send off to to follow that procedure? Send it to my email, which is Elaine Northrup at NorthrupTeam.com, and give me their name and their address. And we will be happy to send a copy off to them and autograph it. They have to send us a check for the book, too. Elaine, tell me a little bit more about what they would learn inside the book. Well, one of the things that I teach is how to take a risk, because most people are afraid to get out of their comfort zone and would rather just stay cuddling with the couch. But you have to take a risk in life if you want the rewards. And I'll give you one example of a risk that I took. And 22 years ago, the neighborhood that I live in, which is a gorgeous, they're all three to 10 acre lots, came on the market, but with a builder that was going to build crack homes in here. And I went to the model, the builder's model, and I liked the house, but I loved the lots even more. And I said to them, who's the developer? And they gave me the name of the developer. I made an appointment and went to see the developer in person, who was a very wealthy landowner. And when I got in to see him, I said, you are making the biggest mistake of your life. And he said, excuse me, who are you? And I didn't have (laughs) a big reputation then. And I said, I'm here to tell you, you're making a big mistake. They ought to be custom lots. And I said, if you will sell those lots individually, the neighborhood will be even more prestigious. And I will help you sell them. In fact, I can sell three of them right now because I'm going to buy one, but only if you discount them by 10%. And the developer laughed and he said, well, you know what? You might have a good idea there. He said, do you know somebody tongue in cheek that might want to sell these lots for me? I said, do I? And I got all, at that point, we had 39 lots and now it's 52 uh, lots that I sold, and then I helped people sell their house, 
get builders in here. And it turned out to be very lucrative for me, but only because I had the nerve to take a risk. And I thought outside of the box. Not many people would walk in an open house and ask who the developer was and go see him. Elaine, do you have any other stories about what you have done, where you've taken a risk, where you've had a dream? Well, just about in everything in my life, I've taken a risk on. Again, when we bought our beach home, it was well over our head that we could not afford it. But pretty soon it got easy. Everything in building my house, if it's not hard, it's probably not worth having. If you don't stress, you're going to be uncomfortable with it in a couple of years to come. So you need to take risks. The worst thing that can happen is if you fail, you just pick yourself up and you start all over again. But failure is part of success. And you don't ever see failure as final, but you use it as the fertilizer to grow the blooms and what you want. If you stop at failure, that's when, that, that's when failure wins. But you learn from failure and you just keep going in the direction. That make failure your friend because you're learning a lesson from it. Well, Elaine, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yes, I can tell you that, and this is for everyone out there, you can fly, you can soar, you can open any door. The key to those doors is within you, and you have to use it to unlock your dreams and your prospects will soar. And I hope that each and every one of, you know, there are dreamers and there are doers. And the important thing is to be a doer and not just a dreamer. I hope the doers are each and every one of the people that are listening to your tape. And anything is possible, just go out and create it. By believing it into being, that's the important part. And, and the most thing that the world needs They're dreamers and doers, but the world needs dreamers who do and don't just stop with a dream. I love to talk about creative visualization because it works. And whatever you desire will automatically appear when your beliefs become stronger than your fear. And and that's the thing I want to get through to to people that, you know, I came from nothing and and created something out of my life, and anyone can do that. There's nothing different or unusual about me. It's just that I had the belief that I could. Well, Elaine, with creative visualization, you have transformed yourself from victim to victor, elevated your status in life, and given your children the tools to build success-filled lives by believing they can accomplish anything with the success cycle of dream, desire, create, and inspire. You've taught us that by working from the inside out, anything is possible. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 427 homes last year worth $130 million in his 10th year in real estate. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. 
If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.